That's awesome. God does give us special people in our lives uh, throughout to, to partner with, to share the good stuff and the really, really hard stuff, and then always be present in it. So, Mike, thank you. Uh, love you, man, uh, for doing this. Uh, from what I'm learning of you is I don't need to encourage you very much today. It seems what... Uh, uh, when Baptist Church is to this area and to the world is, is really what I think God has called us uh, all to be and to do. Uh, last Saturday at this time I was in uh, Camagüey, Cuba. And the, last night, a week ago, we had awarded 22 Master of Arts in Theology to uh, students there who have for the uh, last uh, seven years have been working on a program degree and received an accredited Master of Arts in Theology. Uh, matter of fact, some of those, four of those, are on the faculties of uh, the two seminaries there on the island, and now are teaching with credentialed uh, and accredited degrees. Uh, one of the other things we did through that, and by the way, I hope those are still, uh, those are valid degrees, because I had to confer those in Spanish, <laughs> and my Spanish is really bad, so I hope legally those still hold, just because my, my Spanish was, was so bad, but one of the things that impressed me most about this church, and this was my fifth time down there, is, um, is that they also had 107, we get out 176 certificates of ministry. All of these were, and we've given out as many as 300 before, this church has a has a way and an institute in which they train their leaders. Those 176 this time are uh, life group pastors in, in their homes, and they are uh, in, scattered throughout the community. And one of the things, and, and Cuba is one of the most closed places. I've uh, been to Albania and Vietnam going back there uh, this, this uh, December. Uh, but Cuba, in all of its closeness and its communism, it has become aware of this church and their heart for the community. And there's some things loosening up about ownership, but one of the things that they've done is they've given this church uh, uh, some land. Uh, many of you are familiar with that, uh, having land, and they are farming it. And what, are they do what they're doing is taking uh, the harvest from the land and bringing it and feeding the poor in their church, but they're also feeding the poor in the city. And the, and the government knows that. Matter of fact, when you preach on Sunday morning, uh, of course, there's no air conditioning and all the windows are open. And right around the corner, really right next door, is the police station. And as you're, they're singing and praying and, and preaching God's word, the policemen are lined up outside the window. You know, they're supposed to be spying, but they're hearing, hearing the gospel. And from them hearing the gospel outside the door to knowing this church is about caring, truly caring for the community. They have become a lighthouse in this very dark place and filled with great, great joy. And so from that church to this one, I sense the same sort of sentness, the same sort of, of certainty that God's hand is on you for an eternal purpose. And what I want to show you this morning, if you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12. If you don't, just open your program. Uh, Mike has, has printed this. And I want to take a few minutes to affirm what we're about today and to encourage you to see that what you're doing today and what this church does and what you do where you live, learn, serve, and play 
is where God has placed you uniquely to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here, let's just read in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1, and uh, maybe to, to 3 or 4. The Lord said, had said, and we'll come back to that, had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and, I, uh, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. Uh, what an incredible passage. I want to, to invite you, if you don't write in your Bible, maybe you'll write there in your, your, uh, your program. If you go to this progress that he's given Abram, he's come to him, and by the way, I'll call him Abraham. That's, that will be his name after the covenant is made. Uh, officially, but this is the calling, and God comes to him, and if you'll underline go from, just right above that, leave. When you go from something, you're leaving, and that is our first step in God's call. God comes to us, he calls us, and we leave. Now, look what he says here. He says, leave your, uh, your country, your people, and your father's household. Let's kind of walk through that very briefly. Some of you are hearing, as, as Pastor Don said, you have heard that unique call of God in your life to leave your country, your physical country. Uh, those, those folks are, for me, the heroes of faith who leave the, the things they're most comfortable with to go to another area, another part of the country to live, uh, to live somewhere in the world. But most of us, God comes to us in Christ Jesus, reminds us who we are in him, and reminds us that we are his people, and he tells us to leave our country. Now, I was born in 1953, so do the math. Uh, I am granddad status uh, here. Now, I was, when I was born then, uh, uh, Jesus, baseball, apple pie, uh, USA, Chevrolet, all those were about the same thing. You just, they just all mesh together. And I haven't left my country, but my country has left me. We live in a different world. In the last 30, 40 years, we have become a pagan post-Christian culture. And if you don't believe that, just go to somewhere where lost people hang out. And one of the things that God has, has called you and me to do is not to be like our country in the sense that we are unique as followers of Christ. I heard Tim Keller uh, talk recently about uh, being a missional community. He says we need to be two things. We need to be a contrast and servant community. In other words, we're not to be degrading, we're not to be judgmental, but we are to look differently. And one of the problems with the American church is we don't look any different than our culture. Here's what he's called us to do. There's some things that, that are about our country that he may call us to. The, the idea that religion is a hobby. Nowadays, you know, I play golf on Sunday morning, someone may say, and you say, well, I go to church. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I go on a mission trip. Well, that's, that's great. I go skiing at Telluride. Religion has become a hobby. It's an individual sport. Uh, that's up to you, whatever you want to do. And we need to let people know that we are committed fully to the things of God. Another way is, uh, is that God and our culture now exist to make us happy and healthy. Some would add wealthy. But God in our culture, it really is about being, uh, he helps us be happy and he helps us be healthy. And that's really what God, if God exists, those are the things he does for us. 
And we need to let them know that God is the creator and God is a righteous judge and God is gracious forgiver and God has, has demonstrated that in his son. Another thing that uh, we fight with and it, it, uh, it's true for all of us is, is individualism. We live in a culture where self is the highest value of all things. It is about me. You can have it your way. McDonald's told us that over and over again. Uh, all, all of our advertising is about how you can get what you want, when you want, and how you want it. And the, the Christian life is nothing about me. It is about Christ and sent to others to serve. So some of us, God tells us to leave these things. One last thing. We live in a culture where materialism is, defines reality. It is only real if I can touch it, measure it, see it. And what has God told us? Those things are are short-lived, only the invisible things are eternal, the, the, the things of relationship and love and mercy and justice. So he has told us to, to leave, and he has told us to leave our people. I want to talk in the morning about the church in Antioch, and, and uh, one of the things that caused that to explode was that a group of people simply went to people, some, some folks who weren't like them. We all know this, birds of a feather do flock together. And I would rather hang out with church people and seminary people and Bible knowledge people uh, than I would to throw me into a, a golf game with nobody who knows the Lord. And I love golf, but to, you know, or, or to, to, to be in that. See, some, God has called us to leave people like you. Not completely, but to be able to step out of that, that comfort zone that we all have. We... Our, we our biblical language, our church language, our church songs, some of these lyrics that I love to sing, say to your friends who know nothing about church. They go, what are you talking about? Uh, he calls us to leave people like us, and then he calls us to leave our father's household. Now, that's the thing I don't like, but remember what Jesus said, you love me more than your mother and your father, or you're not part of this deal. You and I have family of origin values and, and ways of relating to people that God is changing us and calling us to leave behind. But take, for instance, when you look at a New Testament letter, what is Ephesians, for example? It's about who Christ is. It's about who the church is. Then it moves to home, and then it moves to culture. See, we, we, don't, we don't stick with our family as, as we've always related to them once we've become followers of Christ. Things change. My values change. And some of our hardest mission fields are our households. So God, the first step is leaving. Leaving our country, leaving people like us, and leaving the, the values and systems that we've grown up with and calls us into a new community of faith with Christ. And then he tells us, and if you want to write this in, uh, I, I insert this, uh, go to the land. Leave your country and go to the land. And this is our next, our set, next step. And it's the land to which I will show you. Now, <laughs> one of my favorite definitions of faith is faith is a journey without maps. Now, uh, again, you mentioned Mount Rainier. I, uh, we've done about, uh, we've done six 14ers in in Colorado, uh, been out here, uh, Eagle Loop, uh, we did the Eagle Rock Loop uh, here uh, in the spring of this year. Uh, but whenever I go to those places, I take a map. 
And places like uh, Mount Rainier, I hire a guide because I am not going out to someplace I've never been before without someone who's been there before, right? Well, God said to Abram here, I am going to take you to a land that you've not seen, but I will show you. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but that fires me up. Some of us, that makes us very nervous and very frightening. But here's the deal. What, what does Hebrews 12 tell us? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the pioneer. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is our guide into this place. And just as God said to Abram, I'm going to show you a land that you've not seen. Follow me. In the same way Jesus says to you and me, I'm going to, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And again, that may be Vietnam. That may be Spokane, Washington. That may be right over there at the intermediate school. God says, I will show you. So we do not go blindly, but we go trusting the one who called us. Now, on this, these next parts, I want, I want to add a, a little emphasis here. He says, leave your country, go to the land, and I, he says, I'm going to do these things for you. This chapter, verses 2 and 3 are just blessing after blessing. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Let me offer some, some maybe grammar here that, that can read this way. He says, I, go to the land that I will show you, and if you want to write in front of verse 2, so that I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you a great name, so that you will be a blessing. See, this whole, again, don't let our American culture of happiness and health and wholeness and wealth be what drives us. God has not called us to be those things. God has called us to be his people. And he said to Abram, I'm going to send you, I want you to leave what you know. I'm going to send you into a place you don't know yet so that, what? I can bless you and so that you can be a blessing. And this is our third, and that is how we bless. And let me offer this to you just based on this passage. I bet you can't be a blessing until you leave and go. God cannot use you until you release all that you have, have held on to. And you cannot bless, God cannot empower you to see in the world. See, one of the things that God has called us to do, I love Paul on, on Mars Hill at the Areopagus. What did he see? He saw the idols we live in a adult, uh, an adulterous, but an idolatrous culture. There are, there are idols everywhere, as many as there were that day when Paul walked up that hill. They exist in, in us, they, and, and he calls us. We've got to remove ourselves. We have to become part of the new kingdom people, the new, new uh, uh, community people, so that we can see these things. Why? So he can make us a great nation, not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense, and so that you can be a blessing. Leave, go, and I will bless you. One of the things I think that this passage reminds me, and I hope it reminds you today, that your life counts for eternity. If you wondered about, oh, I'm not happy, folks, God's call in your life has put an eternal value and purpose in what you do. You waking up and coming here today is God's plan for your life to, to equip you and prepare you, maybe call you to things you didn't even imagine before. Your everyday life matters to God. 
Here's one of the things I, I th think we'll learn today ab about this uh, passage and about that God is ascending God. God sent Abram to a place, and then he sent Moses, and then he sent Israel, and then he sent Christ. And Christ sends you. Look in uh, John chapter 17, if you've got your Bible, in verses 15, uh, very quickly. Uh, this is the high priestly prayer. If you want to know what, how Jesus prays for you, this is it. In 15, he says, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And he says, just as I am not uh, a part of the world, uh, so they are not. Uh, they are not part of the world, so I am not part of the world. Just like that. He says, so sanctify them in the truth. Uh, uh, make them holy in the truth that I've given you. And your word is the truth. Or your message uh, that, that comes through Christ. Remember, Christ uh, is the word. And then he says, just as, and here it is, just as he's speaking to the Father, just as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. Now, the, the world here, and John in particular, the world is not land or property or things we see. The, the cosmos in, in John is are those, the darkness, the sinfulness, the things opposed to God. God is sending you not into just faraway geographical place, but he is sending you into the world in which you live that is opposed to the things of God, that is filled with darkness, which is filled with sin, which is filled with evil. And what does God say? And <laughs> I, I wish he would have prayed. God, just, just as soon as they say yes to you, take them to heaven. <laughs> just get them out of the mess. How many times do we pray, God, take me out of this mess? No, he has sent you into the mess. And why has he sent you into the mess? Because he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit, and he's given you the gospel of hope. We are to walk into the darkness. We are to go to the dangerous places. We are to, when, when the scriptures talk about our, our, our uh, battle is what? Ephesians 6 is not against flesh and blood, but what? Against powers and principalities and rulers. Those things exist. There are systems that create poverty. There's Chris, there are systems that, that, that bring human trafficking into our lives. There are systems that, that devalue life. They continue to find over and over again in Mexico mass graves. 28 people killed here. These, high school, these, these college students that were, that were uh, 33 that were hijacked the other day. We see all this in Africa, the, the girls that were stolen. We live in a place where there, is, there are systems of thought and principalities that exist that say evil rules. And he is sending us to those places. And he's asking, and his prayer to God is not take them away from that so that they can huddle up and be all warm and cozy over here and sing their praise songs and teach each other Bible. He says, no, I am sending them into that stuff, and my prayer is not to deliver them from that, but that you protect them, you keep them from the evil one so that they can have my power in their lives. God is sending you into the world to be his people. Here's one other thing, and I'll be through here in a second. That is this. The church does not have a mission. It is the mission. Lance Ford said that. Uh, the church, and I, I've spent a lot of time helping our people understand what our mission was, etc. But you are God's answer 
to evil and sinfulness and the brokenness of this creation. Again, if you wonder what value your life is, first of all, look how much God paid for it, his son. That should add some worth to you. And then secondly, he has empowered you in the Holy Spirit, put a community of faith around you, and has said, you go be. I love this passage in in 2 Corinthians 5. Remember when when, uh, Paul says, he says, because we're a new creation in Christ, we are now the ambassadors of Christ. And think of that sometimes in all the world movements. And if I, if I went as an ambassador of the United States, what that would look You were an ambassador of Christ. And he says, it is as if God is reconciling the world through us. And it's really not as if he is. I mean, he's reconciling through Christ. But how does that word get out? How, does that, how are those principalities attacked? How does the new creation exist? It's you and me. So again, remember that the purpose of your life is not happiness and health and warmth and all. It is to fulfill the great purpose and commission of Christ. And you here today are part of that. Uh, one of the uh, things that, that I love is, is that not only did Christ send us, but his people were sending. And as a result of the uh, Acts 13 church let me give you this very quickly and you know this passage in acts uh, 13 uh, verses 1 through 3 it says by the way there in the church at antioch uh, there were those there were prophets and teachers by the way i have written a spiritual gift inventory ones in jesus on leadership the workbook and etc etc but you know what and you probably have taken one of those but here's a church 2,000 years ago and they knew who everybody's spiritual gift was and they didn't have one of those forms (laughs) you know how you find out your spiritual gifts serve live with a group of people who know you know what the scripture says about the gifts that's how you find that out and they knew who they were matter of fact they listed them here's Barnabas and Simeon etc and by the way just given this list they were prophets and teachers I think Barnabas had the gift of, of prophecy and Paul had the gift of teaching. By the way, we think he's an evangelist and a, and, a, uh, and a leader, but he's never associated with those giftedness, those gifts, spiritual gifts in the New Testament. He's always, it's here, he's a teacher. Now again, that's because I have that gift and I really like that, but anyway, <laughs> but I, I really believe given this list, he is, uh, he's teaching. Now notice what happens. They know the spiritual gifts, and while they were serving uh, the Lord, they were worshiping together, and that word for worship is the word we get liturgy from. They were worshiping uh, the Lord, uh, and they were fasting. The Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which, what? I have called them. And then uh, praying and fasting, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them free. Set, set them free. They released them. The gifted and the call were set apart and sent. That is what a New Testament church does. You're gifted. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift that he has empowered for you, empowered you with to carry out his call in your life. In Christ Jesus, you have been called. You've been called to an eternal mission, a worldwide global mission. And the church... Our job as the community is to set you apart for that calling and to, and really that, that word, the last word there in verse 3, it says sent them. It's really the, the, the core word to, to be set free. 
uh, Luo was the one we learned to conjugate the, the most uh, in, in baby Greek. Uh, but it means to be released. The work of the church is to release called and gifted people, set them apart for the purposes of God, to equip and, and to, to move forward. Let me tell you one quick story and then we're done. Uh, I, it was really hard. I, I drove by the start of the marathon this morning. I had to fight my car uh, to come, come here. Not that there's anything issue. I just, I, I love I loved those and, and, and continued to be part of, of those. I prefer doing that on a bike now, but still would uh, love to run it. Uh, and so through the years, I've had running groups, uh, training groups that I run with. And one of the places we go is White Rock Lake down in uh, Dallas. Several years ago, I'll tell you how long ago is when Arthur Anderson was still around. Uh, and most of the group, men and women, were uh, consultants for uh, Arthur Anderson. One day we were running in a group. We always ran in a group, depending on how far. It, it depended on what we were training for at the time. And I was in conversation with a, a woman in the group who... Uh, was helping start Watermark. If some of you have heard that church in Dallas start, they were over in Lake Highlands High School right then. And she began to talk about how God, she, as a consultant with Arthur Anderson, she went somewhere every week. And she just began to talk about the people that she would meet and how the conversations were, would turn to the Lord and that kind of stuff. And I told her, I said, I'm just, I'm amazed that you, re you see your job as a way to, to tell the gospel and that, that you kind of go and do this. And she's, kind of you know, took four or five steps along the way, and of course the group's listening, and she says, yeah, it's kind of like I'm a missionary with a corporate sponsor. And I thought, you know what? If every one of us saw that picture about our lives, that we are missionaries with the corporate sponsor, they pay for your trips, they pay for your housing, <laughs> they pay for your health care, the, the company unrighteous mammon is funding a, a way for you to be in the presence of people. You are the church. The church is God's plan A to carry out. Leave, go, go.